0: The night before a big event, a meeting, a confrontation, an interview, a life change, you know the kind of night I'm talking about, where we go through all the choices and moments that have brought us to this moment where we are. A night where you second guess, and you doubt, and you struggle. You hope and pray and beg that whatever comes next, it will just be okay. So our story this morning might be a familiar one, but just um, to get us fully into Jacob's shoes on his, what I like to think of, dark night of the soul, it is helpful to remind ourselves of his story up to this point. So we're gonna just do a quick recap. You might remember Jacob has a twin brother, Esau. Uh, Jacob and Esau, were born with Jacob holding on to the heel of his twin brother as they were born, and this became the theme for his entire life. He was a grasper. He liked to claw on to what he wanted and thought was his. That is maybe the theme of Jacob's life. When Jacob and Esau were older and his dad was Handing out his end of life blessings. Now, we kind of do paperwork for this, but in that time, that's not how they did it. So, you were gifted your birthright, your blessing from your parent verbally. And Jacob stole his older brother's blessing and birthright. He disguised himself as his brother, and when his dad, who was blind and at the end of his life, said, Who are you? He said, I'm Esau. Stealing his brother's birthright uh, was not cool and uh, made Esau very angry, rightly so. And so Jacob ran in order to save his life. He ran away. When he was running away, he had a dream of a promise from God, a promise gifted on him that he would become mighty. He went and worked for Laban for 14 years Remember seven of those? He, he thought he was working for seven years to marry one daughter, and Laban tricked him and gave him the other daughter, as if she was property, but that's another story. It's not a big deal. We can talk about it another time. Um, but he works in another seven years, marries Rachel. They have many children. He settles down just a bit. He is called by God in another dream to go home. Go back to your homeland. Go back home. So he heads home, not knowing what awaits him, 20 years after he stole a birthright and fled. He is nervous, rightly so, so he decides he's going to hedge his bets a little bit. He's going to send word ahead of him that he has, you know, women and children here. So, you know, note, we're coming, but there's women and children here, all right? And uh, word returns to him that Esau is already on his way to meet him, and he's got 400 men with him. It's terrifying. Jacob is not sure what this means, but he's pretty sure it's not good for him, right? So he decides, uh, just in case, like he likes to hedge his bets, remember, he's a grasper, this is his deal. He splits up his family into two groups, so that if one gets attacked, the other one might be able to escape. Cool, Jacob, Cool. He devises a plan also he sends ahead waves of different herds of animals and gifts of gold and cloth and many things ahead of him to appease his brother's anger this gift is from jacob your brother who loves you this gift is from jacob your brother who loves you he's sending ahead wave after wave trying to soften up his brother just a little bit and this is where we begin today a lot has happened to get us to this point in the story. Jacob has sent everyone ahead. That's how our text begins. The same night he sends his wives, their maids, and his children across the stream. He is sent he has sent everything ahead. He is left with nothing. He has prepared for every outcome, a potential battle. He has sent ahead gifts, and he is praying for God to let Esau meet him in peace. Night falls and he is alone with his thoughts. So very alone. I think we can safely assume in this moment he is fearful, uncertain, very vulnerable, and maybe feeling some guilt. His own actions have brought him to this moment. I think this is one we've all felt before. The night before a big event, a meeting, a confrontation, an interview, a life change. You know the kind of night I'm talking about, where we go through all the choices and moments that have brought us to this moment where we are. A night where you second guess and you doubt and you struggle You hope and pray and beg that whatever comes next, it will just be okay. This is where Jacob is. Alone with these thoughts. And as the text says, he begins to wrestle with a man. Now the Hebrew word used here is not adam, which is usually how we get the word man in Hebrew scriptures, but it's the word ish, which doesn't quite have the same human connotation to it. In Midrash, which is an ancient commentary of the Hebrew Bible, they call it an angel. Some translations say this is God. Some say it's Esau's guardian angel. I kind of like that one. Some say Jacob is wrestling with himself here. That one's also really interesting. It's not really supported by the text, but I just like it in general to think about fighting with yourself. We don't actually know at this point But most importantly, neither does Jacob. Now this isn't a wrestling match under lights. It is nighttime in the wilderness. It is dark, dark. Can't see your hand in front of your face, dark. Jacob cannot see who he is wrestling with, but he wrestles. And note, this isn't a metaphorical wrestling. This is real face-to-face, full-contact wrestling all night long. It's so dark, who knows who it is, but he's going to fight with everything he has. Because Jacob is scrappy, a grasper, a fighter. This is who he is. It fits. Jacob knows at this moment he is not going to come this far and be stopped now. Are you kidding me? I'm fighting for this. He had been praying earlier and referenced this promise given to him from God way back when he was fleeing You said you'd bring me back home. You said you'd bless me with descendants that are more than the stars in the sky. Remember, you said so. He isn't about to be bested now. No way. We have this one verse, verse 24, one small verse that says, he wrestled with a man until daybreak. So much is contained in that one little verse. So much time, so much effort. I have so many questions. Like there has got to be fanfic written about this one sentence somewhere. What was it like? Did they talk to each other? Was there trash talk? Was there anger, frustration? What happened? All we know from the text is that it did happen and it lasted a long time. And we get this detailed note after this very vague, wrestled till daybreak verse, we get a detail in the next verse that is super interesting. When the man saw, he did not prevail against Jacob. Again, man-ish, not Adam-ish. Did not prevail against Jacob. He struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was out of joint while he wrestled with him. So when I was in eighth grade, I was hanging out with some students of my college professor dad. You know, they were so cool. They were college students. And I was just a wussy eighth grader. Um, and we were roughhousing. We were playing this roughhousing game where somebody lays on the floor. Bear with me for a second. You lay on the floor and you put your feet up in the air. And then somebody sits on the feet and you give them a push. Anybody ever done this? And then you kind of launch a kid in the air like that. And then they land and everybody's like, oh, that was awesome. Let's do it again. And then you run back and do it again. Okay, so that's how it's you know, supposed to go. Um, And I know it's hard to imagine now with my 5'9 height here, but I was the shortest peanut in elementary and middle school. I was the shortest girl in my class until ninth grade, and I grew many inches in one summer. I don't want to repeat it, it was very painful. Um, But I sat my tiny self onto the feet of a college basketball player, And she launched me up into the air. And trust me, when I say we were all very surprised at how high and far I flew in the air. And when I landed, it was not on my feet like you were supposed to land. It was on my side. It was not graceful. And long story short, I ended up with a separated shoulder and an immobility cast for four weeks. It was fun. It was real fun. Anyway, all this story is is for us to say that I landed on my side and you know what I didn't do was keep (laughs) roughhousing. You know, I didn't go back for more. I didn't go harder. I'm pretty sure I laid there and I cried for a while actually. (laughs) So I cannot get over Jacob here. He does not stop. He separates his hip, dislocates his hip socket. That is the hardest dislocation to do. We have so many things in there. It's the hardest one. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. Uh, but it's, it's the hardest one. That's the hardest thing to dislocate on your whole body, and it happens. Very painful, and he does not give up. I didn't dislocate. I separated my shoulder, and I gave up pretty quick, actually. Jacob is not my favorite character in scripture, but here I have to begrudgingly admire his perseverance. I cannot believe he kept at it. The man, angel-ish, says, I have to go, the sun is rising. This is such a funny detail to me. What does it matter that the sun is rising at this moment? Why is now the time to stop, right? Does he not want to be seen? Again, Midrash says that this is an angel of the Lord. He needs to sing the new day in at the court of the Lord and he has to go do his job. I love that one, that is great. Yeah, (laughs) he's got to go do his job. Yeah, the sun will not rise if he doesn't sing it in in the court of the Lord. I love it. Some who say this man is God refer to the scripture passages that say we cannot look at God in the face and survive. So God is protecting Jacob from his own demise. I like that one too. No matter what it is, Jacob hears his sparring partner wants to leave and he only holds the man tighter and he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Oh, does this track for Jacob? He is a grasper, right? I'm going to make you give me what I want. It feels like Jacob back to his old tricks. But if we sit for this, with this for just a moment, there's a slight callback to an earlier time A time that would be fresh in Jacob's mind as he has been preparing to go face his older brother. What is your name? The angel asks him. This is the moment when he lied to his dad. When he stole the birthright of his brother. When his dad said, who is this in front of me? He says, Esau. What is your name? The angel says. And he says, Jacob. Did you feel it? This is the moment. I get goosebumps at this part every time. This is the moment. The moment in this whole story of an anti-hero when he has finally just admitted who he is is who he is. No one else. He has come face to face with the choices he has made, flaws and mistakes, and cheating, and lying, and all of it. This is the moment where he doesn't pretend to be anyone but who he is. When he doesn't have his family, or his property, or his wealth to hide behind, he is simply Jacob. The angel replies, Your name is no longer Jacob, it is Israel, for you have struggled with God. Israel, the word, means struggle with God. Jacob has struggled with God. This is when he gets it. When he realizes his wrestling partner has not been a stranger or an angel or even Esau, but God. Your name is now Israel because you have struggled with God. Note that it is not the triumph that changes him here, but the struggle that changes him. Does this feel real? It is this moment when he is given the name Struggle with God. Not earlier when he's running away from home. Not when he worked for 14 years to marry Rachel. Not when he was scammed by his uncle. Not when he was trying to butter up his brother for return. But here in the literal wrestling with God for his life, it is this moment that he is changed and given a new name. And then... Then he gets a blessing. Again, keeping in mind what he has been thinking about all night, it calls back something for Jacob about the blessing he stole from his brother, the one that caused the rift that made him run away, sent him into exile for 20 years. That's not this one. This blessing is for him. It's really his. He is worthy of his own blessing, just as he is. The wrestling foe leaves and Jacob is left alone as the sun rises on a new day with a new name and a new blessing and a new limp. There is no encounter we have with God that does not leave us changed as we walk away It's not always a limp, but we are changed. Jacob is given a new name, but he has the reminder with him all the time of what it means to wrestle with God and prevail, to not die in it. I've always wondered what his family thought the next morning when he crossed the river and he met up with them, and they were like, Jacob, you made it. And he said, My name is Israel now. (laughs) It's just so weird. (laughs) I'm sure there were some sideways glances and shoulder shrugs, maybe a couple eye rolls from those teenagers. Some of you know what that looks like. We might do the same. But there is likely a moment as they spend time with Jacob, now Israel, where they realized he is different. Something happened here. And they can tell. My favorite author, preacher, Barbara Brown Taylor, put this in a little story. She said, when Jacob told the story later, I expect his grandchildren had a hundred questions for him. Who was it really? I'm not sure. Where did he go? I don't know. Will he come back? I hope so. I doubt it. I don't know. What about your leg? Did it hurt? Sure, it hurts. It still hurts, but it goes with blessing. They are a matched pair. Every time I tilt to the right and feel that hot pinch in my thigh, I remember my name, Israel, the one who struggles with God. For many of us, like Jacob, blessing and hurt go together. We know what it means to walk with a limp, to struggle with God and come away changed, hurt, and yet still in receipt of a blessing from God. For many of us, as Katie talked about so beautifully with those little kids, our encounter with God happened in the waters of baptism. And we might think that nothing really changed because we didn't limp away, but we believe it is in that moment we are made into something different. I love that grace called it a birthing table. We are reborn mm-hmm. children of God. It is in the language we use in baptism. We are made children of God, members of the body of Christ. We are changed, just like Jacob. At that moment, we are given a new name, a new identity, beloved. And we are blessed. And then as the sun rises, we too are sent to go out and meet what is next. And sometimes we go out limping, and a little battle-worn, but we have been blessed. And that blessing walks with us into the world that needs to see that something changed. We have been changed and given a new name, and that new name will carry us with the blessing of God. Amen. One of the things I love about us baptizing babies here, although it's not a requirement, we've baptized 89-year-olds also, it's fine, but one of the things I love about baptizing babies is that they come to God uh, without having accomplished a single thing except, you know, eat, cry, poop, that's it. Like, that's all they do, right? And they just take it. (laughs) Uh, they They just take it. They just take the gift that is given to them, and they just, receive it, they just, they just get it. And this is what Jacob was like, right? He, he leaned on that hip and he remembered that he was seen as he truly was as a child of God and he was changed. And the same is true for you when you were baptized. And I know it's not the same as a painful hip, but Katie makes all these kids do it all the time and we don't do it that often as grown-ups. So I want you all to trace that cross on your forehead right now, do it. And remember, that's what you get to lean on That's what you get to remember as you go out into a world. You get to remember that you have been changed. You have been seen just as you are who you are. No artifice, no wealth, no family, nothing else holding you up or being sent in front of you to prove that you are worthy. You are already worthy. And God has said, you are mine and I love you. And now we are sent. We are sent to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God i you.